Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bone Podcast, episode number 196. So close, almost at 200. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Yeah, I'm getting a little nervous. We're going to 200 and we haven't been pulled off the air or the or the internet. Like, I'm surprised. I was also just thinking that we haven't really planned anything for 200. You know, we were, we were talking about a whole bunch of shit. I got to say, like, maybe 10 podcasts ago. Or like, fucking, I think it was more like last summer. We oh, really we were talking a lot of day. shit. Like, we're going to do something big. We're going to be skiing. Like, who knows where we're going to do I'm going to be sitting here in this crappy seat, still talking to you, drinking some redneck beer. I don't know. That's what's going to happen. We still have about a month to go. So I'm I'm not, I'm not selling us down the river quite yet. I'm still believing in us that we may pull pull off a miraculous, amazing trip for number 200. Maybe some of our buddies that we know at some of the ski areas or ski locations or, or ski, um, state kind of organizations might be able to help us out and say, Hey, you know what? We would really like you guys to be there for 200. You know, I will say a bunch of people have been reaching out to us, whether it's, you know, trying to get us to join them on a trip or inviting us to their, their houses, which has been so cool and so awesome. And we're such a bunch of little bitches about it. Right. I know. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. I got like my little, my little bitch pants on or something. I don't know. Like a little, yeah, like a, a little second grader whose little girl like wants to play doctor. And you're like, oh, no, no, I don't really want to go play doctor. I'm going to go play with, play with my baseball bat. But anyway, yeah. So thank you. Everyone's been reaching out and everyone has been hitting us up for stickers and going on, on trips. And they're like, oh, we'll go post some, we'll post some, uh, your stickers all over. Right, our- that love. It's really cool. It's, and we really do appreciate it. So thank you everybody so much for listening. Check out all of our info, skibumpodcast.com. You can go there. We also got a little shop. If you're interested in buying some swag, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. We're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Podcast. If you are on Instagram and you want stickers, DM us. Just ask us. We'll send them out to you. We're happy to do so. And if you're going to go on a trip, we'll send you a few extra and you can just go litter and graffiti eyes the place with our beautiful logo and stickers so not graffiti that. beautifying beautify the place it's uh it definitely is beautifying the place also favorite podcasting apps itunes spotify stitcher we are on there if you are on there please go and rate us and subscribe that would really help us out we're also on youtube and iHeartRadio and pinterest and blah 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 you know where to find us most important place, skibumpodcast.com. Everything is on there and uh, everything is sourced from there. So thank you again so much for listening. We've got one sponsor to get to. It is our pals over at Quickie Wax, Q-U-I-C-K-I-E-W-A-X.com. Yeah, yeah. They are our friends. They are out in Colorado. They are a ski bum owned company and they are a proud sponsor of the podcast. And they've been to Italy with me on my skis, skiing the entire Italian Alps. You like had you had bunny wax out there. They've got oh, four different temperatures. So whatever you need, they've got a wax for you. So please check them at quickiewax.com. And thank you for sponsoring the podcast. All right. With that, Mario, let's kick it off like we always do. The good old apre today. 
So for Operate today, I got a very special funky Buddha brew, uh, which is a brewery down here in Florida. They're brewing some really cool stuff, really cool can. So like little love eyes, like a little, and then like little cow thing. The first so, thing I thought was like a piece of pizza. It does look like pizza, right? Like cheesy, like little, fake, like cartoon looking pizza. Or does it look like s'mores? Which is what so, it's supposed to be. So it's called s'more love, right? So it looks s'more like love. love and s'mores. Uh, so this is brewed with, um, well, it's a porter. And it's brewed with smoke malts, then applied high with uh, cacao nibs, cinnamon, and vanilla. Um, highly rated on uh, all the sites that I've seen. Actually, the graphics are pretty cool. The little marshmallow is a girl, and the uh, the other marshmallow is like a dude with like his uh, love eyes. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. Pretty neat looking. <laughs> if you look, you gotta look close. Otherwise, it looks like pizza. You know. That's what I thought. I'll open this bad boy. Let's see. Mmm, good porter smell. Nothing special there. Just nice, steady porter. I don't really get a lot of s'more out of it. It doesn't taste fake. It doesn't taste crazy. It tastes like a solid porter, like with a hint of like what they're going for. Um, what I like about it is now the flavor's hitting. It tastes a little bit not like you would think a fresh s'more is or like a fake s'more. It really tastes like there's a campfire involved in there. There's a little smokiness, which I like. You know how like the when you roast a marshmallow on like a real fire, it gets that little that, that char? Yeah, that, that flavor. It's like not just char, but it's like outside campfire kind of flavor. It, it's yeah. in there, which I like. Pretty good. Yeah, the wood or whatever you're burning, the kind of yeah. carbon or the embers or whatever that gets into the, the flavor of it. Almost like a little bit bittery, kind of smoky flavor. It's in there. Nice. So I'm liking this. This is pretty good. So uh, is, it, is it really sweet, the beer, or not? No. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of sweet. And um, when I was buying this, I was in the store and I, I was talking to the the person that worked there and they're like, you know, it's actually good. Uh, Lucan's Liquors, they they carry a lot of cool stuff down here. Um, I actually found that rhubarb gin that I was looking for. They had it there. Oh, yeah. Um, so they have a lot of cool stuff. And then in Florida, they carry a lot of the Florida brews and they carry a lot of uh, they had the Dogfish 120 just out there like, yeah, buy as much as you want. You want to pay 10 bucks a, a bottle for it, go right ahead. <laughs> We're happy to sell you as many as you want. Not like the bunch of bitches up north that they're like, no, you can only buy one. <laughs> one at a time. Really? Really do? I drink them twice, two at a time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the guy was like, he was, he was like, no, this is really good. This is a highly rated one. He's like, uh, this is kind of, you know, not so much hard to find, um, but it, in an indirect way, he's like, it's not hard to find, but you don't, you can't find it everywhere. That kind of thing. It's probably um, they only brew a certain time of the year then, right? Yeah, it's limited release. Uh, but Funky Buddha has some really good shit. If you if you ever if you ever look them up, I haven't been to the brewery yet. Uh that's on my list. I don't know why I haven't been there. Because they're probably Where not they, on the, they are out of. I don't know. Let's see. Oakland Park, Florida. Oakland Park, Florida. Which is where I go. I think it's up by Orlando, but Orlando. Orlando. What was that from? That was from 
Book of Mormon. Ah, uh, Book of Mormon. <laughs> All right. So it's not anywhere near Orlando. It's, it's on the uh, other coast. That's why I haven't gone. So near Hollywood, Florida. Oh, it's near Fort Lauderdale, right? Yeah, not too far. Just north Bo- of Fort Lauderdale. South of Boca. South of Boca. Between Boca and Miami. Pompano Beach. Pompano Beach. Pompano Beach. Yes. Deerfield Beach. That's another famous uh, beach. Um, yeah, so it's not, not too far from there. So a little far for me. Uh, I don't make it to the East Coast very often. West Coasters don't like the East Coaster uh, vibe. So I just stay on the West Coast of Florida. Uh, but yeah, uh, that might be on the list to go. Going to, actually, I'm, not, I'm going not too far from there. I'm going to go to West Palm next month for the Florida State Hockey Championships. Nice. So we will see. May have a little hockey kid playing around in there. So uh, may have to do an end around and head up to Funky Buddha. Yeah, in West Palm. Going to go drive south. I figure while they're playing the game, the game is about two hours. I got. Hour there, hour back. There you go. <laughs> That's the whole thing, kid. Did you see that goal I scored? Yeah, it was it was amazing. Great job. Fantastic. Way to go. Great job. Um, but yeah, no, they make a lot of good beers. And they, they're they're well distributed, at least in this area. So uh it's good. They make a lot of cool stuff. Nice. When you come down, you still gotta make the trip down. Um still gotta make the trip. A lot of good beers. You'll be surprised at the amount of good quality beers down here. It's crazy. They're they're just making good beer everywhere now, it seems like. Yeah. You know what it is? You got to have that support from the local community that drinks and supports the local. and uh, The local alcoholics. I tell you, you know, Florida, you know, they love their PBR, their Miller Lite, their Bud Light. But you get a local brewery in town and people are like, I'm going to a local brewery. Oh, yeah. That's it. They want to just... You know why? Because you're walking or you're biking there. You're not driving anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, the economy's good. People spend a few extra bucks for a pint because they want the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool that you're seeing it all over the place. And no place is that more exemplified than good old Vermont, where we oh. do a lot of our skiing. Yep. The amount of good breweries they have up there is it's almost insane considering the uh the small population the state has. I think they have the most breweries per capita of any state. Well, they have like the best, I got to say it's one of the places that I know for like the best IPAs. Yeah. Right. So like if I was telling, and I've told people from Europe, cause like traveling around, you know, Europe, you, you talk to people and they're like, well, you know, how, how beer, how's beer in the, the U S and really the only flagship thing that you have to stand on, you start talking about IPAs like, Oh my God, I love IPAs. And they're just like, it's like an unknown world. Cause Europe doesn't brew IPAs. It's just like they do their Pilsners, their Hellas, their white beer, like, and you know, they're regular, but you know, IPAs are like, Oh, I, and where where the hell was I? I was in Italy and they had an IPA on draft and they were like, Oh yeah, this is an IPA. And it was from the U S I forgot where it was from, 
I took a picture. I got to look at Sam Adams. <laughs> it wasn't Sam Adams. One of the regular, but it was like a, uh, it was like a smaller one. And I was like, how the fuck did you get this to shoot here? <laughs> Somebody must've been like, Hey, you know what? Hey, bada bing, bada bang. I'll send you some IPAs, you know, and they got it. So yeah. it was funny. Like people were drinking like, Oh, this is really good. Like we don't get this normally. And I'm like, we get this everywhere. We got like usually a list of like, 20 IPs to pick from. You know what I mean? Like, no. we're like spoiled. We're really we're spoiled. so spoiled. That's for yeah. sure. So my last trip up to Vermont, I, uh, you know, we went to Killington skiing and we hit up one of our favorite Apre ski spots, good old Sushi Yoshi. And they always have a tremendous selection of beers on draft. And there's always like, it's a solid place. You go in there and you're just like, I was expecting like bad Asian food and it's like good sushi and good freaking beers. Really good beers, really good food. It's such a free wings, free wings from three to five. The window has gotten very small and everybody knows about it now. So everybody like, like barrels right up. Like I'm waiting for them free wings because Vermont, because one of the laws in the state is you can't give discounted alcohol. So for happy hour, what they do is you buy a, a beer, you get, a free bowl of like, it's like four chicken wings, but yeah. they are general. So's chicken wings and they are so they're delicious. They're like so good. ginger, like, oh, they're good. Like a teriyaki ginger, you know, general mm. so sauce in these wings. They're good. And that whenever I go there, they have like 25 beers on draft and they're all like, for even the worst ones, if you went to probably your local bar, wherever you are, would be like the best beer. Yeah. That'd be the one on tap, like their signature one for yeah. the day. You know, there's certain breweries that I see that I always am like, I will get a beer from them. Like if it's like Hill Farmstead is there, Foley Brothers, mm. Lawson's. Have and you then, been to Foley Brothers yet? I haven't been there. No, that's the one that we always miss. It's not that far from Killington, but I tell it's you not. what, they they make some great fucking beers. They're making a lot more beers now too. They've wow. really started to expand. And one of the breweries that whenever I see their beers, I always check it out is the Burlington Beer Company. Oh. They, last year, we got their It's Complicated Being a Wizard, which is a double IPA, which was so freaking good. This year, the one that I picked up, actually I picked up another one, which I'll have on another podcast. But this one they actually had on draft at the Yosh. And it is called Beekeeper. Oh, nice. This is a honey double IPA, which sounds very strange. And again, if you're someone who doesn't like sweet beers, you're going to go, I don't want this. Now, I, I like, I like a tiny little twinge, a little, a little smattering of sweetness in my IPAs because IPAs can be a little, a little bitter, a little bitter, a little smack in the face, right? Usually that means it's a crappy brewery because the good breweries, they have smoothed out that, that hot profile. So there's minimal bitterness to it or maybe i'm just a bitter person and it's almost like just my standard flavor profile so i don't even notice it's bitter anymore there you go this beer is so smooth and it has just that little bit of like medicinal honeyish, like light flavor mm. to it to just change the flavor profile so you get and i mean look at this color of this beer I mean, it's just stunning looking. Mm, I almost poured the beer all over the friggin' laptop, but I did. <laughs> As you hold it right I'm over like, there, hovering. I'm like trying to look in the in the camera to see how it's that's tilting. But this, if you like IPAs, this is it's so flavorful. Again, get that little bit of honey, plenty of hop flavor, 
but just mm. a smoothness to it. It is fantastic. Mm. Mm. So, so, so good. I, I can't even, I can't even put into words how good this beer is. If you like honey, that good? you like IPAs, it is outstanding. Damn. It got some pretty good reviews too. I think Beer Advocate's got it at like 94% or 93%. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's way up there. Uh, and they had it on draft. And then uh, I went to the little convenience store gas station right there on Route 4, you know, at the nice. bottom of the hill. Yeah. Dude, they keep getting more and more good beer there. Really? Um, they have like, they had like six beers from Lawson's, like four or five from Foley. They had at least six or eight from Burlington Beer Company. Damn. Super legit beer. So I got this one and I got another one that I'll break out on the next, I mean, maybe next week's podcast from them. That was really the next hour. As we're yeah, right. <laughs> Could be the next hour. <laughs> Could be. So, phenomenal job. Burlington Beer Company on the Beekeeper. Oh, sweet. Love it. All right. No stories in the app right today, but we are going back. Let's get into the Genjula. We haven't been on the gondola much lately. Well, you know, it's kind of ebb and flow. I tell you what, I guarantee you, um, pretty soon as the election gets near, there's going to be a lot of freaking gondola talk. And we've talked about, yeah, you you made a really good point about that a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago when we talked about it. That, uh, yeah, there a lot of states are actually starting to put legalization on the ballot or planning to for 2020. Got to get out the vote. <laughs> getting people to vote thinking hey they're gonna vote for weed they're gonna hate trump too that's the intention but you know what whatever as long as we get some lead we legalized <laughs> you know what they don't realize they're gonna get people to vote for weed and they're gonna vote for weed and leave and go right the fuck back home they're not gonna vote for anything else that's true too yeah <laughs> Prayer. Be like i don't know any of this other shit i just i could just <laughs> vote for weed like they're going to like walk in there and be like all stone and be like, how do I just vote for weed? There's going to be like in the, uh, the voting booth, it's like a grateful dead sticker <laughs> That's it. for I that particular the sticker ballot issue. A little cannabis plant. Boom. Yes. There was a story that came out. It's actually a couple weeks old, but they just republished it this week on Leafly that, the there's a myth there's a thought process that if you smoke cannabis it's going to drop your iq and there i guess there was some very rudimentary or mr spicoli <laughs> there were some studies that were done in 2012 some, that, some movies done in the 80s <laughs> yeah seriously right some some certain actually 70s like the cheech and chong yeah. movies <laughs> They, uh, there was a study done in 2012 that they came to conclusions based on the, what they saw, but it was one of those like correlation versus causation. You know, they, they kind of knew what they wanted the result to be and they were able to skew their data to prove the point they wanted. It's like the national health foundation sponsored by the tobacco companies of America. Hundred percent. Of course, we know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, what was there? Were, I was watching something. Look at the it, food it was, pyramid. Look at the goddamn yeah. food pyramid sponsored by the sugar industry. It was a movie, and 
I don't know if it was, it was uh, Maisel. Have you watched Maisel, by the, the way? Fabulous Mrs. Maisel? Ah, oh, it's fucking hilarious. I've he- I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it, but I haven't checked it I out I heard yet. so much about it, and I thought it was bullshit, and I was like, all right, finally, they're in the third season, I gotta watch it. It's fucking hilarious. We raced through it, and I'm like, I- I'm glad I watched it, but uh, it was something like that. It wasn't Maisel, but it was something I was watching, and it was like setting it all the time, and I'm like, hey, you know what? What helps with pregnancy, <laughs> makes you feel better, is a nice uh, cigarette. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like an advertisement. I'm like, God damn, that's how they used to do it. Want to be more fertile? Have some lucky strikes. <laughs> It'll calm your your you know your your pregnancy woes. You know, it's just have a nice thing and cool cool out and relax with a nice cigarette. It's like, God damn, they used yeah, to really the, market that shit. Four out of five doctors prefer Chesterfields. <laughs> If you look at any of that old like tobacco, it's not don't smoke or don't not smoke. It's smoke the Chesterfields or the Marvel because they're better for you. Like it's fucked up. There's no filter on our cigarettes because filters off our pussies and commies. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't want to be a pussy or a commie, do you? And make sure you wash it down with a nice drink, a nice (laughs) martini. Have some Chivas Regal right after. It's what Hunter S. Thompson would do. Oh, fuck yeah, that guy would. Damn, good thing that he wasn't childbearing. Oh, I fucking love Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> Goddamn, did he go hard? Oh, yeah. But anyway, Damn. so this study back in 2012, they, uh, they did a longitudinal study that found that cannabis use in adolescence was tied to lower IQ and cognitive functioning scores in young adulthood. The study followed participants from age 13 to 38, interviewing and testing them to assess IQ executive functioning, and cannabis use patterns. Those who started using cannabis during adolescence saw drops in their cognitive scores later on. And of these subjects, those who used the most cannabis use saw worse drops in IQ. Unsurprisingly, researchers concluded that this cannabis must have neurotoxic effects on the adolescent brain causing cognitive decline if used at a young age. Other studies began to replicate the result, and this, uh, the scientific community started repeating the story. Quickly, the standard line had become cannabis use causes cognitive decline, especially for teens. Hmm. But last year, they did a twin study, which questioned the methodology. And the study suggests that cannabis use doesn't cause cognitive decline at all. Instead, they found that genetic and environmental factors can lead to both the lowered IQ scores and the increased likelihood to use cannabis. So environmental factors, meaning if you put a kid with cannabis like in the ghetto, like they're not going to have a good like this is you could see the skewing of that that study in the past, right? A thousand percent. You know, you're getting, you're getting, well, also you're getting the people who want to volunteer for this study. Yeah. Not exactly starting with the, uh, the, the the head of the chess team, you know? So you mean I get free weed? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You're going to get a certain type that's like, how often am I getting that weed man? Like every couple of days, like uh, I'll be part of your study. Uh, you say you got to pay for job? the weed. Now you're making it a little more level playing field. It's like, but what about your job at Staples? Like, <laughs> I don't really care, man. This is f- science. I'm a man of science. I'm here for the study. I'm here for science, man. I'll say it's part of my uh, required uh, daily intake. Yeah, and they mentioned exactly what you said, that uh, lower socioeconomic status, tobacco use, and even simply being in pain are good 
suspects as they are correlated with both cannabis use and lower cognitive scores. Damn. Uh, they also pointed out that cannabis use can increase the likelihood of a teen associating with, quote, deviant peers to discourage academic work and encourage other substance abuse. But there are countless genetic and environmental factors that could be confusing the data. But the 2019 study had a better design to answer the question. So a co-twin control study is uniquely designed to examine casual relationships, which is explained by the doc, uh, the head doctor. Identical twins share 100% of their genes and shared environmental factors. Thus, comparing within twin pairs allows us to control for genetics and numerous environmental factors. So they had 428 pairs of twins. Hmm. and they tracked the twins who differed in their cannabis use so they could actually, you know, figure out based on almost the exact same DNA of a person how they would respond to that. Damn, that's like part of the Harvey Weinstein study. <laughs> uh, got the twins going, I'm telling you. Yeah, and the, uh, the study actually refutes all the results from that 2012 finding. Their study found that's that fucked up. How do you find that many twins? That's a lot. Well, there's a lot of twins out there. Really? You there's that many twins? There's a lot of people out there. I don't. I keep forgetting how many people are in the goddamn world. But yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. To like, get that many that want to participate in the study. Then again, if you say it's a study on cannabis use, people are like, yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll join up for that. Yeah. They said having the. Um, you know, kind of coming from a, uh, a similar genetic base, they said that uh, the shared environmental factors between the twins and other substance abuse, the significant associations disappeared. So all the hmm. things they kind of extrapolated from their results, they were able to eliminate in this study. So, you know, blaming certain, blaming the, the marijuana or the cannabis instead of the environmental factors. The it's other wacky weed. It makes people go crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so this study also helped strengthen the results of previous findings by including additional measures for testing executive function, including responsive inhibition, set shifting and working memory, which hadn't been included in previous studies, plus more testing throughout adolescence and young adulthood and intelligence testing prior to cannabis initiation. Hmm. So really we still don't have all the information on cannabis. Uh, everything you hear, you probably shouldn't smoke too much if you're a teenager, but your brain is still functioning and forming. But it's cool to see that a lot of this, again, a lot of the stuff that was shoved down our throats for so long is really kind of a lie. It's been falsified to to further someone else's agenda for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it goes to, I mean, I equate it always to drinking. I always like compare it to that. And like, if you're 16, 17, you're still in your formative years, you shouldn't be drinking just like you probably shouldn't be taking cannabis, like while it's cool and everything like that. But I also don't think it's dangerous. So well, how many people are hardcore into drinking or weed in high school? It's probably because they have nothing else going on in their life. They don't have 16, 17, 18, like even 18, they hit like 
you probably still want to stay away from it probably till you're about 2021. Yeah. Like there's a reason, like, cause you're still like your, your, your brain's still developing a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, I think isn't I mean, your, uh, your frontal cortex not formed until 25. That's it, man. It's the frontal lobe. That's why yeah. I waited. I was in my thirties to smart, start really smoking weed. Well, you're a, a perfectly formed frontal lobe. See, my my frontal lobe has like amazingly a big beer can in the middle of it. That's the big dead. Big dead. <laughs> I, I got a divot in there. <laughs> but what's your frontal lobe really good for, right? Frontal lobing. Isn't that where a lot of your cognitive function takes place? Well, that's what they say. I mean, it's the part an important. What those scientists it controls say. Important cognitive function in humans, such as emotional expression, problem solving, memory. Uh, maybe that's why my memory's shot. Uh, but yet, I'm pretty good at like solving problems. So I don't know. It's kind of a yin or yang. You you just roll the dice at that point. Yeah. But it is cool seeing that, that we're you're getting some better studies out there and getting more information and getting the truth to people. So, you know what? Let people do what they want to do, but let's give them the the actual real the evidence. Yeah. Give them the truth and let them make their own decisions. Just think about like in general, like we haven't been given the truth about a lot of stuff. Diet, alcohol, cannabis, smoking, like there's a lot of shit that we've been lied to. And you wonder why, like, so... We have a government in place, right? And everybody thinks the government's taking care of us. Are they really? You know? A thousand percent no. I mean, they're they're doing whatever somebody tells them, the populace tells them to do. Like whoever is pulling the strings says, hey, control the government this way. You know, it's uh, really got to be aware. Got to be woke. Yeah, how many freaking... For yourself. How many different, like subcommittees and all this nonsense do they have in Congress and in the Senate? And like, what are they actually getting done? Nothing. Look it at this whole like- impeachment thing. I got to talk about the impeachment because, you know, this impeachment is going on for fucking how long? And no matter what side you're on, what's been done in like the rest of like, so you're spending all this money and all this time trying to impeach the president. What else have you been doing? So if I, if I go to a job and I say, you know what, I'm not going to do the job I'm paid for. I want to find something else to do and say, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, go ahead. And if you want to impeach the president, go right ahead, but still get shit done. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've still got a job to do. I haven't even paid attention. I don't even know what exactly he's being impeached for. I don't even know. I'm not keeping track. I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty horrible when it comes to the news. Like I don't pay attention. So you're better off by not paying attention. I like find the stupid news. That's what I find more interesting. I care more about where's it going to, where's the snow going to be falling? Where should, yeah. we do, where should we hit our next trip? These are things I care about much. What's more. the weather? I asked, I asked the A person, Alexa, where's the pal? Where's, where's the pal? Where's the best pal at? <sighs> oh, she heard me. She heard you. God damn it. Alexa, where's the powder today? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not sure about that. Why don't you shut up? Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I said, where's nice the powder? Time. And she's like, oh, the cocaina is down in yeah. Miami right now. You have just ordered some. It is shipping tomorrow. <laughs> okay, cocaine now being ordered from Amazon Prime. Well, so speaking, speaking of snow and powder. Let's go to Ski News.
Now, I guess this is a recent story, but I found this very interesting. I hadn't heard about this till they put it out in free skier about a week ago. So there's a company called Decathlon and they're based over in France at a Chamonix actually. And they are aiming to disrupt the U S market by selling high quality gear at ski bum prices. Good. Yes. And you know, the, the article talks about how, you know, here in the North America gear junkies kind of have their allegiances. So everybody kind of has a brand or two that they favor or look to buy. And, you know, in Europe, I guess that's not as, as big a thing. Uh, but this company decathlon, they are actually the largest outdoor and sporting goods company in the world. They have 1600 brick and mortar stores across, uh, Europe, Asia, and Australia. And they do everything from, Cycling, to archery, kiteboarding, soccer, badminton, and of course, archery. Skiing, skiing Damn, badminton. I can get a shuttlecock there. You can get as the biggest shuttlecock you can get your hand on. <laughs> That's the biggest shuttlecock I've ever seen. There you go. So they have one store now. They opened in California in Emeryville in April of 2019, and are looking to you know start increasing the number of stores they have. And what's cool about them is is that. All their stuff, all their products, it's all done in-house. So they create these like brands that. and it's a, a vertically integrated company. So it says you probably won't recognize the brands you see on the shelves, but your eyes will pop with the price tags and the thoughtful designs. So they control their pretty much their whole um, supply and product development because it's all Isn't done in-house. Product, right? So when you look at stuff, you, you so you see products that come out and they look nice, <clears throat> high price tag, whatever. But regardless of that, like you look at a nice product and you're like, wow, that's that's cool. Like you think when you're when you're there at Oakley or or at Arcteric or whatever, you're like, wow, they they crafted this thing really well. And you don't realize that somebody else crafted it and they just grabbed it from that person that designed it and crafted it and whatever. And they're like, Hey, this is part of, we're going to buy your product and sell it as part of our line. And we put our logo on it and boom. Well, that's the one thing I've, you know, you kind of know people on the inside and get the lowdown, but they talk about here how their, um, their free ride kit is from a company called, well, they, the brand is called Weds, W E D apostrophe Z E, which is their outerwear brand. And they have, you know, 12K waterproof coating on the exterior, fully sealed seams. And the men's jacket is, men and women's jacket are 300 bucks and pants are 249. Nice. So that's kind of like their highest end. Now, if you were to buy, like you mentioned, Arcteric, if you were to buy their highest end jacket, you're getting close to a grand. Yeah. And And you know, what is their cost? What's their cost to, what's that cost to manufacture that jacket? Like what is, I mean, and that's what you go to is like, so you look at the cost and with technology and the speed to market and the way we deliver things and, and the availability of technology and the increase in technology, why isn't everything coming down in price? It's always going up and up and up. And you're like, you know, as a consumer, you look at it like, why? I thought it was going to go the other way eventually, right? Look at the prices of TVs. Yeah. Exactly. TVs are what everything should be. Like you get like a, I don't know, you, 
120 bucks, you get like a 40 inch TV. Like it's crazy. Yeah, for a thousand bucks, you can get an amazing TV now, like a 70 something inch. I remember like, people paying like 20, like almost five grand for a fucking TV, like 45 inch, like really like oh. big screen. And now it's like, you could get that plus a sound system, plus what, like a whole bunch of other shit for it. It's like, it's incredible. I remember I wanted to buy a 42 inch Panasonic plasma TV in like 2006, so bad. And they were like three grand. And now you can get that for about what? 500 dude. If that, yeah. Exactly. People are like, oh, I don't want that. It's too small. Yeah, yeah, right. But that's the thing. Like, what are these? Like, what are these jackets? I want a shitter. I want a forty-two inch. Oh, perfect. <laughs> like, what are these Arcteric jackets? Like, what do they really cost? Like, what is their actual price? That what's their like profit margin on those pieces? If I was a betting man. I would think an Arcteric jacket that costs eight hundred bucks. The cost to manufacture that before all the markups take up maybe twenty bucks. That low, isn't that fucking insane? Yeah. I, that's what I think it is. I mean, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. I don't know. But uh, even if it's a hundred bucks, that's that's fucked up. I doubt it's even that high. Yeah, that's. I, I'd love to find that those those numbers. Um, uh, I mean, you just hear stories about like you know. Because it gets into a need market plus a luxury market, right? So if you're in the need market, you just need something where you're going to be out in the cold and you get something that's good, but maybe not name brand, maybe not well marketed, but like solid, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's difference between, you know, no name jacket that gets you warm and keeps you away from the elements versus Canada goose, which is a thousand dollars for a baby jacket. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. Yeah. But it's funny. Yeah. All these jackets, they're still like made in Bangladesh and Indonesia. And, you know, I wonder if they have any idea, like the, the folks who are actually making them, what they charge for this stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. So I actually, uh, for a while, I was, I don't know why, but I got this thing in my head about like buying underwear from the U.S. and socks from the U.S. So I was like, I wanted to see where everything was made. So I went around and it's it's funny. So like depending, so you get the same brand like Fruit of Loom and they made this color underwear was made in Bangladesh. And then the same size and same model, whatever different color or different color set. Cause they would have like little packs, right. Uh-huh. Of like colors, different color set was made in India. And then another one was made in like Singapore. And I'm like, so Singapore had the reds, like Bangladesh had the blues and the other one had the, had uh, something else. And it was just weird. I was like, wow, I guess that's how they split up their, um, their manufacturing, you know? Interesting. And they put yeah. the underwear together, one one of each. No, no, no. They were like separate. So like, oh, okay. That's why I was always like, well, why can't I buy like you know a red underwear, blue underwear, and a and a gray underwear? Like I want, I want the set that I want, I want. some variety, baby. I want the I want the colors I want. I don't I don't want to just get the the gray, the striped gray, and the gray blue. Like you know, <laughs> but that set I want was to make made in. Yeah, but that met was in Bang, uh, Bangladesh, and then the other one. 
which was like black gray and like something else like a was in Singapore. Like it was just weird. I was like very strange. Huh. Uh, yeah. So that's how they split up. Yeah. But I still want to figure out what the hell, like how much it costs to manufacture these jackets versus what they're charging. That'd be good to know. You'll but, be shocked. I imagine. I'm sure. But this, these decathlon, this brand and this store, this should be pretty interesting to see and, and what kind of difference it makes and if it becomes a success here. Because it's got all the, it seems like it has all the ingredients to be successful here with all the different products and they're, you know, good quality at cheaper prices. People love that. Yeah. That's why Walmart's still around. Right. <laughs> People still buying that faded, faded glory jeans. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Michaela Schiffrin wins Bents Go Downhill and Super G. I actually saw the video of the downhill win uh, today. I guess she put it on Twitter. Uh, not Twitter. She put it on Instagram or mm-hmm. it was on Instagram yesterday or something. Um, but yeah, she won. Uh, she won the downhill. I was like, holy crap! She. I didn't think she did the downhill, but. Yeah, she'd won once in 2017 at Lake Louise. And then that was the last time she won one. That's wild. So they said on an extremely bumpy downhill course that did its best to buck uh, ski races, Schiffer managed to ski an aggressive tight line to post the fastest time of the day, just 0.18 seconds faster than Italy's Federico Abigioni, who's who they've been going back and forth with all year. Um who is Schifrin's main rival in the Giants Lawn this season. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see that she, uh, she did it. Um, so, hey, you never know, right? Um, she's just so good right now that she's, I mean, she's won all four of the, the disciplines this year, hasn't she? Yeah, you know, I guess being in Italy the last, you know, for that little stint, like they were really talking about Federico Brignoni and they were like, yeah, they're, they're like hoping she can beat Schiff. And I'm like, I'll get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, and then she won that that World Cup event that I was in Italy at. And I was like, wow, you know, at least the one one event, not you know, Schiff won the, uh, the parallel uh, song. Um but then to see the two of them like going back and forth, I'm like, wow. So Bergioni is like, she's in there. And then it's Schifrin and Bacino's the other one, Barna Bacino. Uh, so you hear all these names and you're like, all right, they're all close to each other. Um, but no, it's pretty cool to see her win that. You know, it's funny. Like, and they, like I was talking to somebody and they were like, you don't understand. Like you get world cup points for anything you do. So if you do, one event that's great but you're not going to probably get the world cup you do two events you got to do like two three maybe four events and they combine all your points and that's how you win the world cup so you know it's kind of like you know they they do these and they don't think necessarily that they're going to win but they're they're just got to get so many points to keep in the running for the world cup so yeah and she's michaela's like way ahead right now in the world cup standings. She's yeah. got 1,225 points and she's 370 points ahead of Brignoni. 
Yeah. He leads the Super G standings and is second in the downhill standings. Like, that's, that's Incredible. insane. Incredible. Yeah, she's so good. And she's super American, super cute, and she's got the Barilla hat, which is funny. Yeah, right. Well, I love the whole thing. Like, uh, what was it? That interview that she did um, where she was talking about um, her, one of her idols was, was, uh, uh, was Federer. And Federer is also spotted by Barilla, and they did a, a, a commercial together, and she was like smitten. It was pretty funny, but uh, she's just like super cool, super cute. I wonder if Federer skis. He must, right? He's Swiss. I don't know. He's freaking. He is amazing too. He's like a, another guy. He's like the Tom Brady of fucking tennis, <laughs> right? Forty two. He won. He's like number one in the world, right? He's he's top. Top three, I think. He was, uh, yeah. Uh, according, actually, there's an article on Tennis World back in December that Uh-oh. Federer had to stop skiing. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So he's number three right now. Oh, he's 38. Still freaking awesome, man. <laughs> he actually... Right, so Better and Schiffer together, making babies. What do you think? Tennis skiing stars, or just the train wreck? What do you think? Oh, I think uh, definitely superstars. They probably wouldn't even need either sport. They probably find some sport that was like in between, like fencing. <laughs> fencing, yeah, maybe luge. <laughs> the luge, like luge. the luge. Uh, I don't know. You can't even stop this guy from the luge. High lie, I don't know. Highlight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boom. So apparently Federer stopped in 2000 when he was skiing wow. because he, uh, you know, was like launching off stuff and hurt his back. Ah, fuck. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I want to know what he, what, what scared him that he's like, I got to stop this shit. Cause I'm going to kill myself. He said he jumped about 10 meters and when landing almost did not hit seriously with the back. Ah, uh, fuck yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, realize I, I bet you he would do a backflip before you. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> he said, You're more expendable, but <laughs> he would still do the backflip first. You're probably right. He <laughs> said it was uh, then that he realized his commitment to tennis was not consistent with skiing. Mm, so, that means he felt his balls when he hit, and he's like, holy shit, I can't. I know where my paycheck comes from. Yeah, pretty much. That's when you're like, I could always ski later. I'll be one one year older when I do, but <laughs> I may have won, won another freaking Wimbledon or something, right? It's like, I'll ski when I have, you know, $300 million in the bank. Yeah. And he's Swiss. So, like, don't they keep the Swiss stuff in, like, a special interest rate bank? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bank. Yeah. When you're born Swiss, do you have a, your own bank vault? I think you're. I think you pretty much have one. Yeah, you have golden cows, and that's your right. own bank account. That's right, you have golden cows in the bank, and you go visit them, and that's why you're so happy being Swiss. It's you could be in worse places, that's for sure. And you get free chocolate anywhere, right? Mm. Swiss chocolate, <laughs> Swiss chocolate anywhere. Yeah. That's what you do in school. Is just like make and drink Swiss chocolate, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. Next up. This was a cool article, and this is always timely. It's nice hearing this stuff. This is from the Ski Diva. 
our friend Wendy, who we actually met back in December up at Chickenbridge. So they posted an article and she was doing a little humble brag here. She was going to be in Jackson when this article came out doing their, uh, their ski diva annual diva West adventure, which is pretty cool. And the topic is what to do when an airline loses your skis. Other than freak out. This is always something that's kind of a scary thought. And you know, it's, for a while we would always rent our skis when we went somewhere. And one nice thing about that is, is that you're not going to have to worry about losing your skis when you do go and rent them. This article breaks down, you know, what you're entitled to, you know, some tips and they refer to travelers United, which is a nonprofit bipartisan group that represents travelers. So what it says is that you are entitled to $3,500 compensation for damage, delayed, or lost baggage on domestic flights. Hmm. So if your checked luggage is lost, delayed, damaged, airlines are responsible for up to $3,500 in compensation from the airlines. If delayed baggage requires a passenger to purchase or rent items such as skis or ski boots or clothing to wear during travels, this falls under that rule. If luggage is damaged, including handles and straps, the rule comes into effect. And when luggage is lost, the maximum claim that the airlines have to honor is $3,500. What you don't want to do is bring your foil skis because those are $50,000. Yeah, that would not be good, right? Pretty much. Since passengers are responsible for producing a list of items lost, damaged, or delayed, and they should be prepared to have receipts for purchases during their trip in the case of delayed baggage. For compensation of a lost bag, reasonable costs for clothing will be accepted by airlines. One method of dealing with this is to take a picture of the contents of your bag before packing. If receipts for some high-value items are available, so so much the better. Also be prepared to accept the depreciated value of lost items. Hmm. Fragile items such as cameras, computers, glassware, jewelry, and so on can be excluded from the compensation by the airlines on domestic flights. Um, so if you're an international, it's only $1,500. For some reason, it's cheaper. It's less ah. money. So you're better off losing your luggage domestically in the U.S. It also recommends read your airline's rules for reporting lost damage or delayed baggage. In every case, do not leave the airport prior to reporting the mishandled baggage to the airline. Without your claim tag and a report at the airport, it will be virtually impossible to get compensation for lost luggage or costs associated with delayed baggage. And that's where they try to wear you out. They make you stand around for a while. And jerk yep. you around so that you leave and you're like, ah, fuck it, I'll call later. And then you leave and they're like, oh, well, you left already. We don't know it, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. And then also check with your household good insurance company. Because sometimes that will, you'll be covered in your, your regular insurance policy, which is good to know. And then here's some great tips is um, ways to minimize your pain. Never, never, ever check your boots. Always bring them on board the flight with you. 
along with a set of ski clothes you can wear for a day. It's okay. It's okay to rent skis, but skiing in a pair of rental boots, no fun. Sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, Also, it says tag everything, both inside and out. Um, Based on their experience, the only way FedEx was able to ID us was through an address tag we put inside our ski bag. So here's the thing: when when people put their tag on their bag, right? They put a little tag on the outside of the bag. I actually wrote my name and like phone number in my my luggage and in my ski bag it's crazy that's smart but think about it they lose the tag all the time they're like oh i don't know who the fuck this is unclaimed shit they're like i'm gonna i'm gonna claim it at the end of like the year when nobody claims it yeah right also recommend get travel insurance if you can and the best advice is don't let it ruin your trip the way you got to look at it, you lose your stuff. It's a new opportunity to buy some new stuff. Exactly. Right. We're just looking at the uh, outdoor retailers going on right now. And I was looking at all the new gear and I was just salivating over a couple pairs of boots. The new Lang XT3s, the new uh, mm. the, the Full Tilt Ascent, Sammy Carlson's, like. I mean, the skis, you can just, again, you can rent skis, you can demo skis. But uh, that's a great point about the boots. Like, always bring them on the plane in the cabin with you. You of all people should be able to demo skis and boots and tell people how they are rather than have your own in shipping is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right? Absolutely. So a lot of good tips there from the Ski Diva, and we'll have that in the show notes. Very cool. All right, next up, we got Bentley unveils a new ski-themed Continental GT Ice Racer in partnership with Bomber Ski. Bodie Miller, Bomber Ski. Uh, it's a really cool-looking car. I got to say, the pictures are, like are pretty awesome, and I'm sure they don't do it justice. Um, but yes, yeah, so they unveiled this new Continental GT coupe, um, and they took photos in the Austrian Alps and they were actually shown teasers of it. And, um, pretty much it, it pays homage to its fraternal twin, which won the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb in 2019 and shares the same factory build twin turbocharged W12. Uh, the six point uh, six liter engine offers six hundred twenty six horsepower, six hundred sixty four pound feet of torque, and they says it'll do uh, zero to sixty in three point six seconds, um, on the way to a top speed of two hundred seven miles an hour. So that's, that's pretty, pretty crazy. It's pretty freaking crazy, but they're saying it's kind of a, an off roadish variant of the Continental GT. It's more rugged-looking treatment of the lower uh, front fascia, where the fog lights are now encased in black trim, so it aligns with the wheel arches. And the Pirelli tires logoed prominently at the front and the quarter. Um, but yeah, and then they have a ski route, uh, ski rack on the roof, which also has front illuminating LED uh, lamps, and um, it looks pretty cool. It looks like a rally car. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. And what's also really cool is that they're offering a 
It's called the ski ski and drive experience in March. Yeah. And they're doing it in Telluride and Park City. Mm. So I guess you get a pair of bomber skis and you also get to, I guess, I don't know if you probably get to drive it or you get to be a passenger in the car. Limited edition co-branded bomber skis. <sighs> Naturally. seventeen dollars $2,750. $17,950 for the experience. Mm. Mm. Ouch. I wonder if Brody Miller signs those skis. Probably not. That doesn't uh, have time for should. that. He should, man. Yeah. And it's funny because the, the the Bentley Continental GT, it's one of those like, it's a serious I've made it car because the car is almost between two and $300,000 for the regular version. Now, if you have this like jacked up, like rally snow beast, I'm sure. It's pretty sweet. I don't know how much extra that would cost, but I've never, never like been like a Bentley guy. I always found it to be kind of pretentious, but I can tell you this like rally scheme one is actually really cool looking. Well, you know, Bentley's it's funny. Like there was a Bentley deal, like not too far from where I lived up in Jersey. Right. And I'd pass it every day and I'd be like, you know, well, I see some all right cars, whatever. Nothing ever made me stop the car and like, holy shit, that's great. Um, but then you start looking at the cars, like they're the car that looks subtle, right? Is not flashy necessarily, but it's fucking Bentley. And you're like, yeah. I know it's a sweet ride. It just maybe it's not the flashiest thing on the block, but it's a hell of a car. And you've read like 600 some horsepower the thing has, like oh, yeah. plus mile an hour top speed. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Think about it this way. You look at the shit in Maserati, right? And that has a little bit of flash. And you look at a normal run of the mill Bentley. Bentley's probably like, 10 times the price, but you're like, well, it doesn't look that flashy. The Maserati looks all flashy and shit, right? Yep. Very weird. $50,000 Maserati versus a half million dollar Bentley. Yeah. This this one is particularly badass, though. This yeah, off-road one. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I'd love to do that experience in Telluride, though, in March. That would be badass. <sighs> 17 bones. Uh, you know how much weed you could smoke? So in Telluride, you can, it is legal marijuana. So you could like be high as, can you be high as fucking drive that thing around? You'd be driving like two miles an hour down downtown. Yeah, right. <laughs> you probably freak out a little bit too much uh, getting in that car. Dude, that'd be the Twitter mobile. <laughs> Twiddle! Twiddle. <laughs> Uh, awesome. This thing is so cool. Yeah, we'll have a link to the pictures in there. It's pretty badass. So, some people know how to drive in the snow, and some people do not. Florida man. Probably a Florida man. This is a great story from good old Magic Mountain up in Vermont. Man arrested for DUI after attempting to drive up a ski slope at Magic Mountain. Must have had a good reason. Yep. And this gentleman was driving a Range Rover. And uh-huh. police arrested him after he made his way down and charged him with a DUI. Damn. <laughs> the incident happened at Magic Mountain where witnesses said they spotted an SUV driving up the Hocus Pocus Trail well after dark. 
Uh. Alarmed and likely a little bit intrigued, they called police while keeping an eye on the scene. Hmm? He got a couple of hundred feet up the terrain park and then turned around. Ah, what a dummy. Officers from the Vermont State Police and Winhall Police Department caught up with the driver, Frederick Brechter, and noticed he displayed indicators of impairment. He, he probably vomited on him and just was like, oh, I'm so hammered. That could be it. A couple of uh, four loco cans in the passenger seat. The cans rattled. I was like, oh, what's up, man? They charged so him with a DUI, which, if found guilty, would be the second on his record. And took oh, him into so it's not a surprise. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Driving up a beginner ski slope without prior authorization is never a good idea, even if you're behind the wheel of one of the world's most capable SUVs, and especially not after you've had a few drinks. Well, you know, I question if it was one of the world's most capable SUVs because you couldn't get up a beginner slope. So what happens if he tries to go up the Black Diamond? That's nothing. true. Got a whole lot of wheel spinning. A whole yeah. lot of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they said that he left a few ruts in the trail, but groomers managed to fill them and uh, there was no problem getting the trail open the next day. Wow. Yeah, this guy's from Shelter Island, New York, which is like a really fancy town. Yeah, fuck that guy. He probably has a good lawyer. So. I'm sure he does. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if you're going to have a couple drinks, make sure you don't try driving up a ski trail. It's Or do. But do it like a baller, not like a little bitch like this guy. Just saying. Uh, what would be the best mountain to do that at this at and not get caught? Well, here's the thing. Caught or not, you got to have a good representation. Like, that is not a good representation. He got caught and had a shitty representation on a beginner slope, left a little divot and went a few hundred yards up and came around. Like, that's little. that's a little bitch trap. Just saying. What I want to know is what got him to the point where he was like, I'm going to do this. Was he like talking to somebody at the bar being like, I want to know because he talked himself down pretty quickly, right? I'm not buying a lift ticket tomorrow. I'm just going to drive my car to the top. And then he got like a little bit way up and he turned around. Like what was in his head to make him think it was a good idea? Wasn't anything good because he drove like a little, little Mary. Just saying. Not good. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps up the ski news for the week. So on to our main topic. And we've had another interview, something we've been doing a lot of in the last couple of months. And this was with our our new friend, Dan, from a company called Bracelayer. And what they do is they make some base layer pants for men and women that have built-in... Uh, reinforced neoprene knee support. They're so it's awesome. Freaky it's like a knee stabilizing compression pant is what they say on their website. Yep. So I did an interview with Dan a couple weeks ago and we've been using their product now this, this whole ski season. And I know I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it sounded like I was kissing up to him when I was talking about it, but I really do. I love just wearing them the way you feel when you have them on. Uh, they 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 Are fit you now. <laughs> it's all I'm wearing now is my brace layer pants. Oh, that's a bad visual. <laughs> Maybe for you, bro. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're fantastic. They're worth checking out, especially if you have some um, 
you know, some knee injuries in your history. But I think you'll enjoy the interview. Check it out. This is Dan from Bracelayer. We have another great special guest interview this week. We have Dan from Bracelayer. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of it quite yet. I'd rather have Dan explain what Bracelayer is. So, Dan, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we had a great chat a couple months ago, and I'm glad we finally were able to do an official podcast with you. Um, so, please, can you tell us uh, what exactly is Bracelayer and how did you start it? Well, Bracelayer is. We like to call the unique um, line of knee stabilizing compression pads. Um, so what it is, is an antibacterial lycra base with a thin layer of perforated neoprene around the knee. And it comes up the IT band and around the hips and the lower lumbar. And basically it's designed just to give you a little extra stability and balance. Um, and, you know, we have a wide range of athletes wearing them, but definitely the ski and snowboard community is, is probably one of our biggest markets and the people that seem to enjoy it the most. Um, so basically how Bracelayer came about was um, when I was 15 years old, I actually had a complete tear of my ACL um, and that occurred during a basketball game. So from that time till now, um, I've had a number of surgeries. I had my ACL rebuilt, reconstructed three times. Unfortunately, unsuccessfully, um, number of scopes as well, which are you know fairly minor surgeries, but um, little intrusive. And the last time they did operate, they also did a high tibial osteotomy, which was where they took a little wedge of pelvic bone and they put it in my hip, high tibia plateau, and that was kind of just to change the angle of the joint. Um, I had quite a bit of arthritis on the outside of my left knee from the numerous ACL injuries and uh and surgeries and so what that high tibial osteotomy was for was to just to um it's almost like a knee replacement for younger people um so it just kind of buys me a bit of time before i need to get the full replacement done so you know i managed to stay fairly active throughout my teens throughout my 20s and 30s um and how bracelet came about was it was actually about five years ago i was up in whistler getting back on the snowboard um, and i had an injury to my strong knee which had never really given me issues before. Um, it was a, what I believe was a PCL injury. It was a dashboard type injury where I hit basically an immovable object. My knee was bent and it drove my knee back. Um, so I had to take a couple of weeks off snowboarding. I was waiting for things to heal up. Um, when I was finally trying to get back onto the hill, I was putting on these compression pants I had. I've been wearing a big carbon fiber brace of different sorts, um, generation two, uh, which was the first brace I wore, and then I went to an Asur, and lately I've been wearing Donjoy braces. So I was putting on my compression pants, this big Donjoy carbon fiber brace, and then I had a new over-the-counter wrap I was wearing on my other leg. And I was putting all this gear on, I was thinking, that, you know, this is like a brace layer. Um, and that's kind of what the, drove the whole company along. So from that point, you know, I started looking into, um, was there any other people out there with pants, which incorporated braces, there really wasn't. Um, so from there, I kind of just went to the drawing board um, and I did a, about a year of making prototypes of different sorts of pants and finally arrived on the uh, design we use now. Um, didn't bring it to market right away. I just started making more and more samples of what I had and started getting out to the community in Whistler. Um, one of the things I really liked about the pants when I first started making them was um, people that were custom braces, um, one of the biggest issues is migration. So once you start moving, once you start sweating a bit, that knee brace can slide down an inch or two. And, you know, once it starts migrating down the leg, it really loses a lot of its uh, 
function and support. And so one of the things I loved about these pants was it kind of just locked the brace into place. So, you know, it stopped the migration of the brace, stopped the straps from digging into my knee. It was also giving some support and protection to my newly injured knee. Um, so originally I thought that was my target market. I thought, you know, everybody that wears a custom knee brace should be wearing these pants. They're fantastic. Um, once I started getting out into um, testing and out to the public, um, I realized people that didn't even have knee injuries love them. You know, they just, they felt stronger. They felt more protected. They felt like they had a little more stability. Um, and so that was early 2015. Um, we had one pair of pants at that point. It was a non-thermal pant. Um, and from there, you know, we just started getting feedback and we've unrolled a number of products since then. We have a hockey specific pant. Uh, we now have thermal pants. Um, we actually have a bike pant coming out in a couple months. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, the cycling pant. And um, we have three quarter length pants. They're actually a bit longer than the true three quarter length to function properly. They need to end below the calf. Um, but that's basically the origin story of brace layer um, and, and how it came about. So how many iterations did you actually come up with before you got to the the final one that's now the, the current model? Uh, you know, there was probably there was probably five or six um, different iterations. Most of them were fairly minor tweaks. But the very first pants I had made actually had stainless steel springs built into the side of them um, really? and some Velcro strapping. Yeah. So, you know, I got away from that design. It really it really wasn't working how I had intended um, and once I started going to this, you know, perforated neoprene design, um, that's kind of where it all fell into place. And the really nice thing I like about that pant, the pants as well, is that the uh, the neoprene never actually touches your skin. You know, it's sandwiched in between an antibacterial lycra compression and then a compression mesh on the outside. Um, so there's very little irritation and uh, they are quite comfortable. Well, you were kind enough to send us a couple pairs to try out, and thank you very much for that. And I will tell you, I've used it the past couple months while skiing, and I actually, it sounds weird, but I get excited putting them on because I feel like I'm putting on a superhero uniform because that's kind of the way it feels like it has, you know, like you mentioned that neoprene in the knee. And then, you know, uh, when you're pulling it on, you feel like you're kind of locked in and you're going to do something almost grander than yourself. I know that sounds a little kiss uppy and a little weird, but putting it on, like you do feel like you're, you're doing, you're getting ready for battle or going to, a, you know, to, to go save the day. And I just, I get, I get excited and psyched. So I'm like, now I'm going to go ski. I'm putting on my, my superhero uniform to go out and ski. That's great. That's great to hear. Um, you know, and that's part of it too, you know, getting excited and, you know, feeling, having that feeling, right. It gets you, gets you kind of ramped up to do whatever activity you have in mind. So, um, you know, one of the, most of our sales are done through e-commerce. Uh, we have a number of, uh, retailers here. I'm on the West coast of Canada. Um, so in British Columbia, um, but we also do a, a few trade shows and that's one of the neat things about the trade shows is, you know, people will try on the pants. We usually have a chain change tent sent up in our booth and you know so just watching people try them on they come out of the tent and you know they oh i feel stronger and they start jumping around and you know doing deep squats and knee bends and uh you know so it definitely has some uh psychometric you know um value there you know even even getting away from the stability and stuff just you know the uh maybe almost like a placebo right the people just are ready to roll when they put them on they like you said, they feel stronger. So 
Yeah, something psychosomatic definitely kicks in when you put them on. So yeah. I would encourage anybody, if they can get their hands on, just trying them on, you will you will want to be in these pants because again, you do have that feeling of of grandeur and uh like you're almost like your your level has been upped just by putting them on. That's right. Yeah. Which which pair do we send in? Do you mind? Uh the Alpine. The Alpine, the 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 boot cut ones. Uh, yes, the bootcut ones. Yeah, yeah. So that's our newest edition, minus the bike pant, which will be coming out uh, next month. But that that bootcut thermal pant, um, yeah, we just came out with in October, and it was a uh, it was a big seller. Um, we're set up with a number of uh, Canadian ski and snowboard organizations, and we have pro deals through them. Um, we managed to get an email out to uh, most ski instructors in Canada this year in November, and um, they 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 flew off the shelf. So. Uh, we've had to do a re-up since then, but it's been a very popular one, that bootcut thermal pan. Excellent. Yeah, it really does hit a lot of the marks. I know the only thing for me, I'm not a very tall person. I'm like 5'9", and I do have to roll them up a little bit to get them over my ski boot. Um, okay. And that's pretty much the only like I don't know if you guys would ever consider doing like a uh, like a shorter version, but I know you mentioned that it has to go over the calf to be effective, um, and kind of finding that sweet spot, that adjustability, which I guess isn't really something you can do with that material. Um, but again, I don't know if there's like a, a shorter version that, that's possible. Uh, that's to make. Been, um, some of the feedback we've got this year, we have had a couple people that uh, you know said it's just a bit too long, a bit below the calf, so. Um, like you said, what they have done is they they've done one roll up and it worked. Um, at next year, we may look at even. I think we can get away with shortening that boot cut maybe by an inch, and it'll still it'll still end just right below the calf. Um, so maybe something we look into for sure. Yeah, that's that was the only the only thing uh, comment that I had on them. Everything else, again, the stability, the feel, the comfort, the warmth. They uh they've been fantastic so far. So I've really enjoyed okay. them. And they're now part of my uh, my absolute standard every time I'm out there on the mountain. Fantastic. Um, so you said you're mentioned you're uh, are located in Victoria. Uh, is right. that where your is that where your offices are? Your facility? That's right. Yeah, that's where our warehouse is. So I actually did my uh, post secondary education here in Victoria. Um, as I mentioned, when I designed the product and created, it, I was actually spending the winter up in Whistler. Um, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Whistler is a two-hour drive north of Vancouver, and Victoria is an hour and a half boat ride east of Vancouver. So we're located on Vancouver Island. Um, so it's all you know fairly close on the west coast of BC. Um, but yeah, the the product was designed and uh, you know launched in Whistler, but I've since moved um, operations back to Victoria. So is Whistler still your training ground then for uh, for if you're doing new iterations or, or new versions of the product? Yeah, we definitely have some athletes up there, um, you know, some ski racers, whatnot, that we'll send product to and get their feedback for, um, including the bike pan as well. Whistler's also a big uh, mountain bike mecca these days. Um, they did have the Ironman up there the last few years, um, the Canadian Ironman, but it's going to move back to the Okanagan from what I understand this summer. Um, but we did have some people testing the bike pan up there. So you know, in Worcester, there's no shortage of uh, of high high level athletes that, that are eager to try out our gear. So that's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned that you're introducing a, a bike pant. Uh, my podcast partner Mario, who's currently in the Italian Alps skiing, 
poor him. Yeah, he, uh, he's an avid cyclist as well. And that's the first thing he said when he tried them on. We were skiing together with him. He goes, I would love a pair of these for biking. So oh, I guess good. you probably got a lot of feedback from from similar folks who are you know skiing and boarding in the wintertime and then you know cycling in the summer. So uh yeah, you, you guys are already uh, ahead of the curve on that. So that'll be exciting to check oh, out. Great. Yeah, well, let us know, and uh, maybe we can get you guys a pair to test out the, the, the cycling pan as well. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so how has Brace Layer kind of changed the way you you snowboard now? Um, you know, it, it definitely lengthens my days. Um, I don't get out as much as I did in the past years. I have a, I have a young daughter, so, you know, my I'm not getting out nearly as much, but she's going to be on skis pretty soon, so hopefully that'll change. How old is uh, she? She's two. She's two, just over two years old. Oh, so awesome. years old. Yeah. So hopefully next year she'll be on some skis and we'll be doing a bit more skiing. Um, but, you know, if anything, it's just kind of lengthened my day. You know, I used to do half days of the most. Um, part of that was, you know, my knee brace would always be sliding down and, you know, I'd just get aches and pains. And, uh, you know, the pants, as I mentioned, they do a great job of holding that brace up and uh, just seem to give me a little extra, um, little extra life at the end of the day. So stretch out those days from three, four hours to five or six. Excellent. And how is, and they mentioned like the, the, the larger braces, the, the big plastic ones that you still need. How does, is there any, like um, any way that brace layer works with that? Or is it really just a matter of, it, it helps to stabilize it because of the, uh, the texture of it? Yeah, basically it's the texture. So the, the, the covering on the outside of the neoprene layer is a textured mesh. So that alone kind of helps lock the brace into place. And then also um, the neoprene, which we have mentioned, it comes in different gauges depending on the pant. It, it doesn't vary a huge amount, but it's from 1.5 millimeter up to 2 millimeter. Um, and for lack of a better word, it's a little squishy or pliable. And so, you know, that effect when you're strapping on the brace, um, it, again, it really just locks it into place and stops it from sliding around. Um, so probably the biggest effect of pairing it with with the custom braces is the uh prevention of migration yeah the slippage yeah you got it that's really cool and you know, one thing that, you know, we on the podcast, you know, we kind of have a, a weird little niche that we're working on here with this podcast. And, you know, the big thing for 2020 that we're doing is we're trying to focus on longevity and, you know, how can folks, as we all get older, how can we continue to perform at the levels that we did when we were younger. And, you know, we're starting to, our, our plan is for the spring is to start looking into nutrition and exercise. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're all momentum based. We're all humans. We are kind of eat the way we've always eaten. We exercise the way we've always exercised. I was talking to someone this past weekend on the mountain saying, I don't know why I work out the way I do. I've been doing it for the last 10 years and I just keep doing it. And uh, trying to figure out like, how, what are all the elements of our lives that, you know, that lead us to our performance on the mountains and what are the things that we can do to preserve them and better ourselves as we're getting older, which is tough. Um, and this is one of the products where I feel like really falls into that theme is because again, like you mentioned, it's giving you more time on the mountain than you had before. And it's, you know, kind of keeping things locked in and tight and working as uh, they, you know, almost like uh, they did when you were a little bit younger. So I really do love this product. And like we mentioned on the, the call we had a few months ago, 
last, um, I had an injury last year and I was actually 2018 now since we're in 2020 and I was looking at different products and I came across yours and I noticed in Amazon, they were sold out already in my size. And that was like a like November ish. And I was fascinated by it. I kept kind of, you know, following you guys. And then eventually this, this past fall reached out to you. So, you know, I really appreciate you, you taking the time and kind of, you know, being part of our little uh, 2020 longevity push that we're having. Well, that's great. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out to us. So where do you, um, do you have any products or things you guys are looking to do beyond this, uh, this bike pant that you're working on next? You know, we've made a few prototypes of a few other products. Um, one being a shirt more geared towards some sh- shoulder stability and health. Um, I don't think we're going to be moving forward with it in the immediate future. Um, it was pretty hard to get into and even harder to get out of. Um, you know, and then there's, there are some things we're looking into. Um, I'm not sure how much I'll delve into that. Um, yeah, you want to keep things under wraps, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. We're always looking, you know, what, what we can, you know, how we can help improve, like you said, longevity, injury prevention. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of that prevention stuff comes down to just keeping the joint warm, you know, and our pants do a really good job of that. Um, you know, reducing muscle oscillation and, uh, helping with jumping mechanics. Um, most of our stuff we've done to date is, you know, re- real world testing with athletes and getting their feedback. Um, we, we are in talks with Canadian sports Institute right now and getting, um, some validating research done through them. So hopefully we'll be able to promote the injury prevention side of it a little bit more. Um, but I, I tend not to speak too much to that either, other than, you know, really just like, like I mentioned, just real world um, feedback from people. Yeah. So where can people find out more about brace layer and if they want to get their hands on a pair, what's the best place to go for that? Uh, best place to go is our website. Um, so Bracelayer.com. Um, we have a Canadian and U.S. website, and then we're also listed, as you mentioned, on Amazon, both in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, we don't have any retailers in the United States in the moment. Uh, that may change uh, here in 2020, um, but at, at, at the moment, it's it's uh, really just e-commerce online. Unless you're on the west coast of Canada, then we, we are carried in a few uh, few retailers here. Okay, so Bracelayer.com is the best place to go? You bet. Okay. Um, is there anything else that, uh, that you can think of that you'd like to share? Um, you know, that I think pretty much covers it on my end, you know, just, uh, like to get the word out about the product. Um, love getting feedback from people like yourselves that are active and, uh, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. A lot of times when people ask me what my target market is, um, as I mentioned originally, I thought it was people that had really beat up knees like myself um, that wear these custom knee braces. And it, now when people ask me, I just say middle-aged athletes and that pretty much covers it. So, you know, anybody that's out there looking for a little extra stability and balance um, and lives an active lifestyle. I mean, these pants, uh, these pants are welcome. Yeah. I, I can't speak highly enough about them. I, like I said, I've been using them for the last couple of months. I love putting them on. And, you know, you mentioned you have a, a little two-year-old girl. I have a two-year-old son. He's almost two and a half now. And we just got him on the mountain for the first time a few weeks ago. Oh, right. Yeah. So he was skiing for the first time. And now we're going to take him again this weekend for uh, his second time out there. And another, like going back to the longevity thing is, you know, I, uh, 
I want to make sure I'm there for him, you know, when he's in his teens before he wants to just blow me off completely. Um, right. I can, you know, make sure I'm there. I'm with him on the mountain. I'm helping him learn. I'm, I'm getting him excited for the sport that I love so much. And I, again, part of the longevity and, and doing things that preserve that and then make sure that I can at least ski to a, a high enough level uh, before he blows me off in his later teen years. Uh, so that's, that's why, again, why I look into longevity, why I love this product and, uh, why I'm, I'm so happy that you're able to come on and, and, uh, and share this. And hopefully, you know, everyone who's interested and in kind of looking for that, that little extra to keep them locked in, stable, more comfortable, longer days, uh, checks out Bracelayer and, uh, and grabs a pair because, uh, I love them. And I think I did a great job. Right on. Well, I share that sentiment. I know there'll be a day when my daughter's uh, blowing me out of the water. So like you said, I'd like to keep it as live, alive for as long as I can. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Um, we will have the link to bracelayer.com in the show notes. Um, if any, and you got, you mentioned there's a, a free shipping code now. That's right. Yeah. This week we do have a free shipping um, available on the U S and Canadian website. Um, the promo code is just free ship. I believe it will be auto applied um, once you start adding items to the cart. Um, and yeah, actually that should be up till the end of the month. I think the free shipping code. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Bracelayer.com. Everyone go check it out. Grab yourself a pair. You will love them. Right on. Thanks, Brian. Nice chatting with you. All right. You as well. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you need more information, we'll have links in the show notes. You can check them out at bracelayer.com or check us out at skibumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. Mario, this is all you, baby. Customs officers in China confiscated over 12 tons of beaver genitals in the country's largest ever smuggling case pertaining to animal parts. Now, I didn't know there was like a government like keeping track of like cases pertaining to animal parts, but I guess in China there is. So, um, well, China's having some problems now, as we all know about this, uh, we got, coronavirus we got like, going on right now. You know, the whole Corona thing where you're like taking a break, sitting by a beach, like, you know, you're, you're there with your friends and, and you're, you're mentally on a beach. Like maybe you're in like a coronavirus now. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but, uh, we're pretty sure Corona, the beer doesn't cause the virus, right? It doesn't, but a lot of people ignorantly think it does. And it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> my, my Opry ski, my Opry beer was almost going to be a Corona today. <laughs> oh, that would have been very nice. It, it might be next week. We'll see. Cause I, I don't think the um, epidemics is going to slow down right now, uh, unfortunately. Doesn't the lime kill the germs, though? The lime kills it. <laughs> Why you put the lime, lime in the corona? And shake it all up, and that's the cure. Kills the germs. You say doctor, and then you know that, that all Citrus. Works. Citrus. Magical stuff. So anyway, customs officers in China, and, and this is, I guess, some of the part of what they do. I can't look at this picture anymore. It's fucking disturbing. It's pretty uh, gross. Oh my gosh. So a total of 94 bags carrying thousands of beaver schlongs were impounded on board a Canadian ship ferrying mostly minerals and wood products. And that is what the 
website actually says schlongs. Schlongs. They're schlongs. Um, totally schlonger. Because they're not the little penis. They're like the entire schlong part. I can't even look at the picture. It's disgusting. It's um, rough. So they're approximately a half a million to 600,000 beavers must have been slain to generate 12.7 tons of penises. Jesus. So they actually had beaver penis long things that were impounded. Like, um, and the beaver, <laughs> you know who was writing this story? I was like, motherfuckers, like, I'm just going to have fun with this. So, so they the- killed five. 100,000 beavers to get all these schlongs? Yes. Isn't that wow. That's like a beaver holocaust. It is, but like 12.7 tons of them were like being brought in. So now I know Canada has a hunt. Like they opened up the hunt on beavers because beavers become a bunch of little assholes out, out in Canada, up in the great white north. Um. So they're actually saying that beaver phalluses are implemented in Chinese medicine to increase sexual vigor and remedy erectile dysfunction, according to state media. So are you serious? Yeah. So Chinese uh, General Administration of Customs had a lengthy press conference Wednesday to rationalize why it recovered that many Chinese, why it why it recovered what many Chinese recognize as a valid medicine. So they're saying it's probably enough medicine to give an entire generation some erections worthy of both, but it comes from shady sources and also could be dangerous. So while they said it's probably enough medicine to give a generation erections worthy of bulls, that's pretty fucked up in itself. And then they said it came from shady sources. So it would have been okay if it wasn't from shady sources from Canada, where that's where beavers like populate. So, all right. So we got 500,000 beavers that were probably killed for their schlongs. So this. Dicks, like five, half a million beaver dicks. But what about all these female beavers that are just like hanging out, like trying to like find some dudes? You know what? I don't even want to know what they do with the other parts. They probably ship them to another part of China. Somebody else doing something to them. It's fucking creepy. It's like science of the lambs are like fucking beavers right now. Is it possible that like iPhones are made with some sort of beaver parts? I think they, they take the beaver genitals and they rub them on iPhones. That's, that's what I'm going to tell everybody that I meet from now on is that Apple... When they make stuff in China, they rub it with beaver genitals, and that makes it like certified by Chinese government. Just that whole statement, 94 bags carrying thousands of beaver schlongs each were impounded on board a Canadian ship. Bags and bags of dicks. That's fucked up. Literally bags of dicks. Damn. So they're actually saying experts forecast the market value of illegally imported animal parts. Not just beaver dicks, but other animal parts. On the Chinese market, they estimate between forty-five and fifty billion dollars U.S. That is it's so what, ridiculous. Is what comes into fucking China. You always hear about like you know things with rhino horns and tigers. And oh yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Beavers, like that's such a like silly little creature. It's not like a a mighty you know, predator that you'd want to get his, uh, yeah, horn or teeth or something. 
and we were joking before, like mosquito dicks, like mosquito dicks coming in, like by the bushel. Like, what the hell? How do you get mosquito dicks? Uh, there's got to be somebody going like, oh, I get you mosquito dicks. Ooh, it's fucked up. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. So, and you know, unfortunately, various species are like on the brink of extinction because poachers hunt them to appease the Chinese market. And it's just messed up. Like, if you think about, they have this thirst for, like, the weird and the the, like the unconventional. So, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take these beaver penises, whatever you got. You know, we'll, we'll try them out. So, I don't know. That's a rough one. There are no words. <laughs> Especially when you look at this bag of dicks. I just can't even... The best is they show like a, a little beaver like swimming, look cute, whatever. And then they show like a bag of like beaver dicks in a in a bag. It's horrible. Yeah. But well, we don't want to leave you in a bummer story like that. So we'll give you a, a quick little one. Elon Musk just dropped an EDM track on yeah. SoundCloud. <laughs> which is kind of nice. So SoundCloud? We, we're on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Which so if you're looking for ski bum podcast historical episodes the vault you can also check out an elon musk trap track not trap trap it could be a trap if you're listening to it he's got a song called don't doubt your vibe and it was released on emo g records (laughs) now i listened to about half of it today half and I would consider myself a fan of the genre, the kind of ambient EDM music. It was a little weirder than I was expecting. Weirder. All right. A little weirder. I. Uh, you think they're going to use that track now for every time a SpaceX launch goes, they play that while you're waiting for the stuff to like go off. That'd be kind of cool. Pretty sure it won't. Play it in the background. They actually usually play really good music when they're doing the any of the SpaceX stuff. Yeah. It's just uh it's I'm it's I love that he did it. And I'm pretty sure all he did was kind of just say that's you know, say don't doubt your vibe, and then the the producer and engineer just kind of took it and tweaked it and put the beats to it and made it a song. But it's it's just so funny what Elon Musk decides to do for like a little side project. Oh yeah, you know, like obviously SpaceX and Tesla are his big ones, but that boring company sort of came out of nowhere. Where now he just drills tunnels, places, and has his flamethrower. And now he just puts down music, and he's just an incredible human being. And I think we're all lucky that he exists. He's just drilling. That's what he does. Just drilling, drilling, and dropping EDM tracks. That's right. Hot fire, spitting hot fire. Don't doubt your vibe because it's true. Don't doubt your vibe because it's you. Repeated over and over. Spitting hot fire. He is. He's a bad man. All right. So anything else we gotta we gotta cover? Urban ski weekend is going down as we speak. Everybody have fun. Be safe. Uh check your guns at the door and um that's all I gotta say. Outdoor retailers going down right now. A lot of big stuff going on in the ski world. Should be an urban ski weekend. I'm a little, I'm a little bummed that we missed it again this year. Missed it again. Missed. Uh, we talk about it every year. Urban ski weekend and outdoor retailer. Missed, missed them both. I gotta find somebody that went there and just find out like 
just get intel with the real lowdown of how how it goes but thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate it check us out skibumpodcast.com we got the shop there please check it out we're on all the socials instagram twitter facebook you're at skibumpodcast if you want to send us an email we are at skibumpodcast at gmail.com Subscribe, rate us. Please go to your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or everywhere else, iHeartRadio, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya.